Hello, everyone. My name is Josh McGilliland. I'm one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks, and thank you for joining us for our holiday special. That's a holiday special about a holiday special. <laughs> so it's going to be very, very circular logic as, as we get into this and staring to infinity for our review of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. With me to do so is the Mar Marvel Trio. We, we have Gabby Martin and Stephen Tullefield. We covered Hawkeye last year, a little Moon Knight. Uh, it was, it's been a busy 2022. So yeah. So Gabby, we haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been a minute, um, but I'm, I'm excited to, to jump back in. You know, there's, there's been some good Marvel content lately and honestly with, um, Werewolf by Night and then now, um, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, um, I really love this format for, for Marvel. Um, it, it really feels like an expansion of the one shots. Um, and it's just, it's perfect. Like it's, it's very concise. It's, it's a different kind of playground than we're used to with the, the TV format, with the movie format. Um, so it's great. It's, it's really nice. And, and I hope, I hope they use it sparingly. I hope this is just kind of a treat that we get, you know, maybe around the holidays, maybe we get an Easter one, maybe we get a 4th of July one. Um, you know, that would be a cool little, um, little treat for us Marvel fans. So yeah, I'm excited to break down the holiday special on this holiday special edition of the Legal Geeks. It, it is fun to see them leaning into the kind of the 70s, 80s nostalgia for doing a special presentation which is what, how definitely Stephen and I grew up in that era. So yes, and you know, and Michael uh, uh, Giacchino did follow us on Twitter and gave us some love for our Werewolf by Night analysis. So I'm um, still writing high from that one. Stephen, what were your thoughts of having the, the special presentation experience from Marvel? I totally agree that it was such a great callback to the days of yore when we would have gather for holiday specials around the holidays. Um, definitely a great experience. And I definitely agree, Gabby. I think it's a great way to stay in touch with the characters uh, when they're in between movies, uh, especially with the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming up next year. Um, you know, we got the trailer. And so now it's nice to revisit them, see what they've been up to, maybe get a little exposition out of the way before diving into the next feature film. Um, and I thought it was a really great use of that, that format. Yeah, I want to see more of these because there are stories that just work well in a tight 48 minutes of being able to go, this is it. This is the story, beginning, middle, end. Werewolf by Night was exceptional and leaned into a love letter to Universal Monsters. This leaned into the holiday specials of yore, whether it was Rudolph or anything from Rankin Bass. Uh, you know, hats off to James Gunn uh, for, again, just being a Gen Xer with a lot of love for, you know, the time that he grew up in and uh, having some great musical choices because Fairy Tale of New York it's a good tune so there's just a lot of fun there this is also packed with so much legal analysis uh just like the original guardians there was a lot of law there and uh gabby you took the laboring or on the uh outline 
and one of the first things you identified was the purchase of nowhere. And you yeah. in a, a tweet from James Gunn. Why don't you uh, share that and we get into the purchasing issues? Yeah, so it's 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 kind of, I mean, I would describe this holiday special as a holiday of crimes because, um, you know, I went back and watched it. And I was like, that's basically what they're doing is they are just, um, you know, Mantis and Drax are on basically a crime spree uh, through California. As, as we'll get into the episode, we apply California law throughout this entire thing because for once we have an applicable state law. You know, you usually see us kind of pulling um, theory and applying it, um, you know, in kind of broad terms. Um, but now we can really go back and say, no, they would be dragged into California criminal court uh, for these things that they're doing um, in in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, the, the episode opens and we have the purchase of Nowhere reference. They're obviously on the planet Nowhere, um, the floating head of Nowhere um, that was previously owned by the collector. Uh, it's really difficult because it's not you know, I'm one of those people who can get kind of overwhelmed with Marvel knowledge and be like, wait, maybe that was kind of a throwaway line in an MCU film. And so I did some digging and it's not, it's not, um, you know, the last we saw of nowhere, it was kind of a burning husk, um, you know, after Thanos uh, came in to um, steal one of the infinity stones um, with the guardians facing off against them. Um, and you don't really see nowhere again until the, the holiday special. And it's referenced that they purchased Nowhere and now it's their headquarters, right? And you go into the wiki and it says it's now the Guardian's headquarters. And so really all we have is the throwaway line of they purchased Nowhere. Um, and this tweet from James Gunn, when somebody asked him about it, um, where he says, although the Guardians are sometimes heroes, they work as mercenaries and it brings in a fair amount of money. So after Thanos attacked Nowhere, they bought it from the collector. It was a burnt out husk and they've been rebuilding it since. So the question then becomes, how do you purchase uh, a planet? <laughs> First of all, um, do you get title to the planet? Did the collector have title? Uh, did he illegally obtain it from somebody else? And then, you know, is now kind of illegally trading it? Um, and also their monies, right? This kind of, even though this is not necessarily canon, it's just a tweet from James Gunn. Um, although he's been making a lot of big waves with tweets lately in the DC universe, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, this really brings in kind of illegal money, right? Uh, that the Guardians are uh, using to fund their operation, right? We see that a lot in Star Wars and, and we kind of gloss over it. Uh, but, you know, this is really illegal money from doing mercenary operations, right? Um, and that's dirty money. Although um, I should say that if they were the, in the United States, they would still be taxed on that dirty money. Um, God bless the IRS because they will tax you no matter what. Um, so, so yeah, it brings into questions of the legality of the money, how the titer had the collector had title to nowhere, um, how he was able to transfer that title um, in a sale. Obviously, really the only thing that may seem quite somewhat reputable is the you know. They gave him money, he gave them the planet um, or ownership of it. That really seems to be the only legal thing, uh, you know, above board thing that's probably happening here, but everything else is a little sketch. So there's there's a bigger problem because nowhere is the head of a dead celestial. You can't own a dead body. And they are now selling 
a corpse head that's being used as a base, a place of commerce. Uh, I mean, I they're would... living on a dead body, Josh. So yeah, and, they've been living on a dead body. <laughs> and and the value of nowhere too is that they can harvest or or um, mine the the potent brain matter of the celestial. So it's interesting that that's that's obviously a very black market trade i would imagine that they're harvesting that sort of organic matter celestials or organic i guess um and then selling it yeah it also answers the question did the collector survive infinity war so yes he probably escaped so we could possibly see him again or maybe uh, it was his brother operating yeah. his estate his executors yeah of his assets <laughs> i don't know I know. Will we see the two of them, you know, acknowledge that familial relationship? <laughs> Who knows? There is the, the other factor that sales of property need to be in writing because of the statute of frauds. That you just can't go out and buy a house and go, here's a, here's a bag of gold. I want this here land with this home on it. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. Purchasing real property requires uh, clear title. So you do a title search and get a title report that explains everyone who's owned it to make sure there are no wild deeds uh, out there that could show somebody else has a claim of right to the property. Normally, I mean, like this gets a little on the metaphysical side that, you know, it's like saying earth is a living body and we inhabit it. And we're able to carve up land for people to buy and purchase, and, and it has intrinsic value. Can the same be said of a celestial skull? And I mean, does it, where's the atmosphere come from? Like, there's a lot of sci fi questions that this raises for how can you inhabit that corpse and, and then pick up mining operations again? Uh, if they're going to use it for that, they could totally change its uh, functionality and it could be a place of commerce instead uh, just as some boom towns changed from whether it was western migration or gold rush like san francisco is no longer a gold rush town like it's it's changed uh on the flip side we do have ghost towns that used to be a thing when there was either westward expansion or you know, until the interstate highway systems went in, you know, places that went out of existence. Uh, again, so many wild cards with this, but there should be something in writing. I would hope there's a title search that showed that the collector had ownership of nowhere and that the sale was clean. And yeah. whatever they view as, as a fair means of transacting business, because uh, maybe there's some rare minerals or gems that is used as currency that we just don't know about as mere earthlings. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is is you talk about wild deeds, uh, Josh, is, is you know, you bring up the issue of who technically has claim to this celestial body, because, right, it's not a planet. Um, and, and you really have to, when like you talk about real property and selling real property, you have to have clear title, right? That you can say, there's nobody else that's going to pop up and, you know, 
Jeb from 1800 something is going to pop up and say, I own this land. Like, you know, you have it free and clear when you pass it on to somebody, you know, through gifting, through uh, transaction, what have you. Is a celestial going to pop up and say, uh, no, that's our brother. Like we technically own his body, you know, because they have weird rules of who they own and they earn, own the Eternals and all that kind of good stuff. So is, is a celestial going to pop up and say, hey, I actually own it. Sorry, sorry, guardians for whatever you paid. Uh, it's actually ours. Uh, so it's, it's just very, it's very odd. Um, you know, you don't have that kind of free and clear title. That And the other factor at play is family members don't have a property right to the corpse of a family member, but they have a right for the, the, the body to be buried. And that's when, and so it turns into this weird rite of burial and which highlights again, I'm good at e-discovery and law involving corpses uh, because I just started focusing on, on corpse issues because of all the pop culture shows that dealt with moving Washington's body after he died to New York, things, things like that from uh, Sleepy Hollow and, and other shows going, going back over the last decade of there's corpse law of what you can do with a dead body this falls into that category. Will the celestials want him buried someplace? You know, it's like <clears throat> if either of you died and like sea creatures were making a home of your skull, I would be upset for multiple levels, many deep multiple levels here. And then I'd want you to have a proper Christian burial. So, you know, you could <laughs> not, not be a little colony for a bunch of fish don't want to swim in with the fishies no, uh, no. On, on the other hand it's kind of flattering if someone wants to steal my brain for how <laughs> valuable it is i'd be okay with that <laughs> i mean i'm sure we could get a good good price for it so you know it's yeah good good opportunities there we're lawyers oh. that's why we have contingencies in place Exactly. Again, so again, do proper estate planning so your corpse doesn't turn into uh, a, a small town. So now a lot happens when our well-meaning heroes for Drax and Mantis want to make Peter Quill happy. So they decide to go to Earth and that's where their crime spree begins. I, I want to start out with the, a weird issue with GoBots. For those who are Gen Xers who remember when GoBots came out prior to Transformers and they were simple little automobiles that transformed into airplanes and cars. And then when Transformers came along, it blew them out of the water completely. We have a guy cosplaying as a GoBot. We then find out that GoBots actually exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and a GoBot killed Drax's cousin. There's a moment when Drax starts wailing on the cosplayer GoBot. Is that just simple battery or is it a hate crime? Now, hate crimes in California are defined under California Penal Code uh, 422.6. And it, it states that no person, whether or not they are acting under co color of law, shall by force or threat of force willfully injure, intimidate, interfere with, oppress, or threaten any other person in the free exercise or enjoyment 
of any right or privilege secured by him or her by the Constitution or the laws of this state or by the Constitution or laws of the United States in whole and part because of one or more of the actual perceived characteristics of the victim listed in subsection A of 422.52. Well, let's pull that up so we can see what that subsection fully says. Uh, because again, as lawyers, we like to actually look at the law. And subsection. And who doesn't love a statutory cross reference? I know. It's I know. The it's, best. Like, it's like a little treasure hunt. It is. Hate crime means a crime, excuse me, hate crime means a criminal act committed in whole or in part because of one of more of the following actual perceived character, characteristics of the victim disability, gender, nationality, race or ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation association with a person or group with one or more of these actual perceived characteristics. And looking at this, I don't think it was a hate crime unless Drax was beating up an actual GoBot for the sake of being a GoBot. I wouldn't I would disagree because again we have that actual or perceived um and and in this case you could make the argument um if you're representing um you know the the Kobach cosplayer um that Drax perceived him to be of GoBot origin uh and that was the reason because he didn't say you, the actual GoBot that murdered, you know, my my family member, he said, just, I hate GoBot. Like, it was about the GoBot people, not a particular individual. Um, so it was on the basis of that characteristic. So if you're arguing that that's a perceived, you know, jo- um, Drax perceived him to be of that origin and attacked him on that perceived basis. You could make the argument it's a hate crime. Um, so yeah, you, you make a great point because the whole point of um, hate crime statutes is to put the focus on the intent of the defendant, not on the actual belonging of the victim in any particular group. Because whether someone is actually um, gay or actually of a particular racial minority is sort of irrelevant when it's really about the defendant's um, f- targeting of someone based on their perceived characteristics. So yeah, I agree. Maybe maybe the GoBot cosplayer is is um, is a perceived member of the GoBot community. Yeah, it's does he self-identify as GoBot? Like there's a oh man, that gets weird fast because. <clears throat> I think of the people who like done jury duty and Star Trek uniforms. It's like, is are we in a category like that that this guy is not just cosplaying as a GoBot, but believes in the GoBot message and is deeply moved by being a GoBot? Right. It's so it assumes that being that a GoBot is some sort of nationality or <laughs> some sort of protected class, which is probably a bit of a stretch. But, but yeah. But it, is a nationality or or race in the MCU because there apparently are GoBots and one killed Drax's cousin. 
and I'm going to throw a wrench into it on your, and I'm going to go one further on your theory, Josh, does that open the possibility of GoBot appropriation in the MCU? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah, the, now they're, the now difference they're between GoBot appropriation and appreciation is real, and we need to have a conversation. It, there's, it depends. Very I think serious. part of it would turn on the GoBot culture because you could look at uh, Japan is really big on like sharing its culture. That if you are into kaiju or any anime, like they they don't see that as appropriation. They see it as you know, welcome to the party. Like this is. This is all for for everybody, opposed to something racial, and like we've we've seen that in all kinds of, of ways. It's, uh, I mean, like that's a long list of of ways for people to get canceled with appropriating another nationality. Um, so this, we we haven't actually met a real GoBot in the MCU. So there's probably, I mean, now I want to see that. Um, (laughs) But man, that just got complicated and weird fast. I mean, it would depend on whether it was, you know, because we're talking about protected classes here, right? That's that's the basis of, um, you know, the hate crime statute, just like any sort of discriminatory statutes is is, is, it's a protected class. Um, And so it would just be a matter of what, protecting class the GoBot falls into? Is it, is it a race? Um, you know, is it national origin? Uh, which I tend to think that's where this camp would lie of, of national origin, intergalactic origin, right? Um, planetary origin um, slash ethnicity um, as opposed to race. Although, you know, in, in science fiction terms, we talk about alien races um so you know it it would just depend but it would likely fall into one of those protected classes again as Stephen said it goes to the intent of the defendant what he was intending to do which was attack a gobot that he perceived to be a gobot he wasn't like this is a dude cosplaying as a gobot it's it is a you know member of this national origin race whatever um, you know, and, and, and the way you kind of test that, right. is like, he thought this guy was a, a gay man or a black man or, you know, whatever. And that's why he attacked him, even though it happened that, you know, the guy was a bit just suntanned, right. That he wasn't actually black. Right. You know, so, you know, that's, that's kind of that taking it out of the space context, science fiction context and putting it into a very real life context that he would definitely, there would be no argument that that, would, that was a hate crime. Um, and, and like, granted, it's not a great defense, but, you know, defending Drax would be, a, you know, it's, it was a mistake of fact. It wasn't a real GoBot he beat up. And it was just a dude cosplaying as a GoBot. But then that goes to the perceived intent issue that he wanted to beat up a GoBot for the sake of beating up a GoBot. Thus, the cosplayer has a really bad Tuesday afternoon because Drax is super strong by human standards. Yeah. And, and we see this. We see this in, in several cases where somebody is just going out uh, to commit violence 
you know, against, especially in groups where it's not an, an easily identity, you kind of draw that line between perceived, you know, oh, I thought they, you know, you see this in, in kind of border states of, I thought they were Latino. So I attacked, you know, I thought they were, you know, undocumented. I thought they were, you know, whatever, you know, LGBT. I thought they were the X. And so that's why I attacked, because they have this hatred of that group. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're talking lightly about it, but, you know, this is the, you know, when you're talking in, in very real terms, these things do happen and it's, you know, it's very scary. So, um, yeah, I think by any stretch it would be a he cries. Yeah, so that was my reaction to, to that scene. And maybe it's because again, I'm a Gen Xer and I owned some GoBots back in the day. Uh, Stephen, were you in that category or am I alone here? No, I definitely had some. Um, <laughs> I had the Jet. Um, can't remember which other ones. And I'm blanking on their names at this point. That was yeah, a I long know. time ago. It was. And then when Transformers came out, it was yeah. like, boom. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a lot more Transformers than we had Cobots. Yes, better cartoon as well. But maybe we'll re reassess GoBots after they get an MCU appearance. So we we then pivot to Matt, uh, Mantis and Drax makes money uh, doing photos with tourists and they then go to a bar and uh, Mantis loses their money. I don't know if they inadvertently get rolled. They don't understand our currency. So that could be an issue. Uh, as well of they don't understand the value of our uh, currency. Uh, but she uses her mind powers to get a, uh, a, a tour guide to one, provide Mantis with a map, and then the kicker of give me all your money. So wrong, so bad. Uh, Stephen, want to want to help us understand these issues? Sure. Yeah, I, I think that the whole star map, um, you know, those map of the stars that they're called in LA, it's so funny that you know they're they're aliens and they get a star map from um, from someone on Earth, <laughs> um, and so that was great. And um, this is just a classic theft, basically, of stealing someone else's property that um, is not theirs, conversion, um, and is um, unlawful under um, under California Penal Code Section 484. Um, and that would certainly be something that, that Mantis could um, be convicted of. It's also, um, you, you can, theft doesn't require any violence to, um, to convert the property. Um, you could trick someone, you could just kind of take it. Um, and here she sort of, like you said, she used her mind powers, which is certainly a, a way to steal something and would certainly expose her to criminal liability. Well said. Gabby, anything to add? Yeah, it's it, it's so kind of innocent, you know, because she's obviously so very cute and, you know, charming and, and whatever, but it's like this very nefarious, give me all your money, um, you know, which at that point, I don't know if they need money. I, you know, we don't really see how they how they spend that money. Um, they got through, a lot of drinks. I think she just wanted some more shots. Part, but, you know, <laughs> from the photos that that was the kind of money they reputably obtained, right? Uh, versus then, you know, to give me all your money, which who knows how much money that lady had on her. 
um, why I don't carry cash on me uh, in case I encounter a, an alien who wants all my money. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's very scary. And it, it's funny. I think the little uh, Easter egg that's, that's quite hilarious is, you know, watching the, the pictures that, that, that happen to pop up when they show the map and they show uh, Drax and Mantis moving around the map. Um, you know, you see um, John Cena obviously working with James Gunn for Peacemaker, which we've, we did for uh, WonderCon. Um, and then uh, you also see Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is Chris Pratt's father-in-law. So, um, you know, it, it was very, I, I'm sure they got a lot of giggles, you know, pick, deciding who was actually going to be on the map, um, which celebrities uh, they were going to put, because now those people do exist in, in the MCU, right? We already have an instance of, you know, Sam Jackson uh, exists as Nick Fury, uh, but he also exists as Mace Windu, because we've seen multiple references to Star Wars in the MCU. So it's, you know, <laughs> it adds this kind of very interesting uh, layer and and the one disappointment I'll say from the earlier research that I did on on the question of the purchases nowhere is that is not actually Kevin Bacon's house. Um, apparently, Kevin Bacon is not a fan of Christmas. Uh, would not have all those decorations outside of his house, uh, and that is very much not his house. I had a headcanon that they were he was just like yeah, roll up to my house, film at my house, whatever. Uh, but that is not actually his house uh, in Los Angeles, unfortunately. So. I think it'd be very meta if in Secret Invasion, Nick Fury makes a comment about, I think Mace Windu's alive. I, I could see something like that just getting slid in, but uh, fun, fun, fun. Well, let's get into the trespass issue of Drax and Man uh, Mantis ring the doorbell. They get the video call. And then they forcibly enter, which turns into a home invasion very quickly. But we we have trespassing, and Gabby, walk us through trespassing. Yeah. So so really, the 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 initial part of trespassing um, happens because right when when they're they're ringing the doorbell, that's not trespass, right? You can go to carrying somebody's doorbell and um, you know ring the doorbell. You know we see all kind of no you know solicitors, all all this kind of stuff. Um, and they're really more in, in a public space as, as opposed to, you know, a, you know, entering his property. But the minute she's thrown over uh, the, the fence into Kevin Bacon's yard, uh, you know, they, they start the, the trespassing. So there's really in, in California 602, uh, California Penal Code 602, uh, it's a misdemeanor uh, to trespass against somebody's property. Multiple ways you can trespass against property, whether that's personal, um, you know, a, a home, um, an occupied building, a business, um, anywhere you're, you're not supposed to be is, is trespass. Um, so in this case, uh, 602M, entering and occupying real property um, or any kind without the consent of the owner, which clearly, uh, you know, when you ring a doorbell, somebody says, no, thank you. Uh, you were supposed to go away. You were supposed to leave. Um, and they ignore that. So they do not have the consent. Um, and also, uh, 602O, uh, they are also further guilty of trespass by refusing to leave um, the land or real property belonging um, to another and not open to the general public, right? Just because somebody's, you know, Kevin Bacon's home is listed on this star map 
does not mean it, it, it it's a drive-by you know oh look there's kevin bacon's house it's not permission to enter his property um so and and he does request several times for them to leave um so and says no thank you um so they are guilty of of violating um that request well said any additional thoughts on you know it turns into a home invasion about the yeah. time that Drax goes through the glass window. That's that terrifying. Can you imagine? It's like so just blowing into your house like the Kool-Aid man and like chasing you up the steps. Uh, I thought it was very hilarious, but also very troubling <laughs> that Drax would do that. Yeah, they're they're gonna need pardons from the governor uh at this point, because it's like, oh, I don't want to prosecute. No, that's it's <laughs> like we have enough evidence to get them without you. So yeah, it, uh, yeah there, there's a lot there. So they fight the police. I'm glad no police officers died because that would have taken this in a real twisted direction very quickly. But there, there has to be some extreme injuries that take place from getting you know crash cars and and everything that happens uh like it's gabby you also got into assaulting police officers is bad want to explain that yeah so so to to like you know because i i think you know for for non-lawyer viewers um you know there's the confusion that you know the term you hear in, in tv shows and and even on the news is you know assaulting a police officer and you know we talk about assault and battery, and and the, there are two terms that really get conflated. And and assault really has to do with the fear, right? Of you know holding a gun to somebody's head, or you know saying I'm going to kill you, or you know those kinds of putting the fear of harm into a person. Battery is the actual contact, the actual use of force. And once you get into use of force on another person, assault is off the table. There's no fear because you you went through with it, right? You you did the thing. Um, so it, it's actually battery on a police officer. In this case, a peace officer um, is, is the kind of large um, encompassing term that, that California Penal Code 242 uses. Um, and it's actually, um, you know, you have regular battery and then obviously increased punishment um, for and penalties for battery against a peace officer. Um, in this case, um, the fine is still the same, $2,000, which I thought was um, interesting, but um, instead of six months in jail, you could get up to a year in jail. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, those would be the increased. And right, we're talking also property damage, property damage to Kevin Bacon's home, uh, property damage <clears throat> to to the yards they're jumping through, right? Um, you know, the 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 cars that they wreck. Um, there's a lot of property damage. Um, which could be both uh, criminal charges and civil charges. Um, I'm sure those people with those very lovely homes in Los Angeles uh, are going to have very some very powerful lawyers uh, to, <laughs> to bring down some civil charges on the Guardians of the Galaxy, which apparently if they can afford to buy a planet, uh, they may have a little bit of coin uh, that may need to be tapped for, for some punitive damages. <laughs> Let's talk about suing the guardians at the end because there's there's a couple other steps that we need to, to hit, but that's a very good thought on how to to go after them. 
there's multiple levels of theft and burglary that take place. So we have Kevin Bacon's property that's taken from his home. And then we have uh, a convenience store or some Christmas shop. You know, it almost looked like a Halloween store that got converted to Christmas stuff that they raid and they take things from. Mm -hmm. Can you describe the burglary issues here? Yeah, so, you know, burglary, um, you know, the main one obviously is is Kevin Bacon and, and Kevin Bacon's home, um, right? That's kind of the main set piece here. Um, and any burglary is, is, is any uh, person who enters a house or other uh, space with the intent to commit uh, grand or petite larceny or any felony in once inside. Um, so the minute uh, Drax rashes uh, like the Kool-Aid man, which Stephen, I hadn't picked up on that, but now you said that and I can't see it any other way. Um, once he crashes into the building, um, into the home of Kevin Bacon, right? They are there, they even before they jump over the fence are there with the intent to kidnap Kevin Bacon. So they are in, kidnapping is a felony. So they are there, to, they are, the minute they enter, they're committing burglary because they are there to uh, kidnap Kevin Bacon. And all the other, the larceny that they commit of, of the stealing of, you know, the candy cane, of, you know, the, the silly man, um, you know, all of that is also uh, part of would go to, as you said, Josh, driving that kind of point home that you really don't need anybody to press charges. There's really a lot of evidence uh, without anybody pressing charges. Uh, in this case, it's it's a pretty open and shut uh, case in, in this situation. Yeah, so let's, uh, Stephen, as, as the other Gen Xer, we both grew up with Kevin Bacon. Like we were, we were there for Footloose when it happened and educate us on the kidnapping issues of you can't give Kevin Bacon as a present. Yeah. <laughs> as, Kevin Bacon an ornament. as desirable as a present as he might be, uh, he seems like a very fun guy, but um, yeah, there's um, sorts of different levels of kidnapping um, that apply depending on, as, as Gabby identified, depending on whether it's a federal prosecution or a state prosecution. Um, ordinarily, the federal government doesn't, um, the, the power to uh, pass laws that criminalize conduct is not necessarily in the Constitution, in the federal Constitution, but Congress does pass laws pursuant to other regulatory powers um, to prohibit certain conduct as crimes. And when it comes to kidnapping, um, the, the regulatory authority is the ability to regulate interstate commerce. So it's only kidnapping for federal law if the kidnappers cross state lines. Um, so I, I guess we can probably safely assume that they have crossed some state boundary unless they sort of descended. I mean, even if I, I, I suppose like the entry of airspace would be a crossing of state line, probably, even if it's not necessarily driving over the Nevada, California border. Um, so um, so that would um, so that would probably be the interstate commerce. The other thing about the federal um, kidnapping statute is that it um, prohibits the transportation of another person um, by a, a broad range of conduct. It can be by kidnapping, by abduction. Um, the statute says um, seize, confine. 
uh, decoy, kidnap, abduct, or carries away, or, and one of my new favorite words is inveigle, um, the inveigling of someone, which means the deceptive flattery of someone to try to trick them to come with you can also um, lead to a um, conviction of kidnapping under the federal statute, which by the way is 18 USC 1201. So um, regardless of whether it was sort of a violent taking away, or if they tricked um, you by using their mind powers, that would be a federal kidnapping offense. Um, then the other layer is the state California kidnapping statute. And of course, criminal law is much more commonly associated with state powers to regulate. Um, and California has these different kind of layers of kidnapping. There's the, the bottom layer is just often referred to as simple kidnapping under Penal Code 207. And that's just the abduction of another, um, the statute says, by force or fear. Um, so it's very specific about the type of conduct that uh, results in the the carrying away or the asportation. Um, and ordinarily, deception or fraud is not sufficiently forcible to violate to be simple kidnapping in California. Um, there are some sort of like implicit threats, like there's cases where someone pretends to be a police officer and threatens to arrest someone if they don't come with them. And that sort of implicit threat of arrest was sufficiently forceful to be simple kidnapping. But ordinary, just sort of like, um, hey, I got this truck over here. <laughs> um, that's that sort of deception um, does isn't forcible or doesn't cause fear. So it wouldn't be simple kidnapping. Then California has aggravated kidnapping too in P under Penal Code 209, which is for like robbery or extortion or ransom or sort of other violent crimes. Um, so I think this um, would be at least simple kidnapping because they certainly use force or fear. Kevin Bacon was terrified. Um, and they used a significant amount of force in abducting him, um, but also probably aggravated kidnapping, um, you know, sort of like, that's a pretty violent um, way of taking him away for sure. Yeah, they fought the police. I'm going to yeah. go that to aggravated. That's not simple. <laughs> that's not simple <laughs> kidnapping. When you take out three squad cars and six police officers, we've, we've crossed into the higher threshold. Yeah. Because as a policy matter, we can't let that slide. Like you just, it's like, oh, that's a mulligan. It's like, uh, no, it's not. And, and while Drax and Mantis clearly did not understand human culture, there is the concept of universal rights that slavery is incompatible with universal rights. So abducting someone is just a no-no on its face. So the fact they thought that was okay is disturbing about both of them because they their moral center is highly skewed. However, <clears throat> if they had just shown up with like, hi, we help save all of civilization. Our friend who helped save civilization three times is really bummed out. And could you come with us in our spaceship to go cheer him up and sing a song? That probably would have been an easier sell, you know, yeah. with because this would be on the news. It, it would be like if, if you know, Zelensky just, you know, uh, give a address to Congress, be like him knocking on your door with like, hey, thanks, man. Like, it's like you're you're going to invite him in at that point. It's like, yeah. when are you flying home? Like you would. Uh, that would carry some cred yeah. because 
uh, this Kevin Bacon lives in a universe where you have superheroes and half the planet died mm-hmm. and then came back to life. There yeah, would be yeah. a, a completely. I wonder if Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick were snapped. That's yeah. a good question. I wonder if they survived. <laughs> mm. and, and Gabby raised an interesting point too. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Go ahead, Stephen. I was just going to say, you pointed out that, um, that Kevin Bacon eventually does sort of of his own accord agree to stay um, and sort of consents to his abduction in a weird way and um, that there was a question of whether that kind of negates their liability and of course in California a reasonable belief that the person is coming with you voluntarily undermines the intent element or the mens rea of a kidnapping crime so um, but that's on the front end Uh, generally you can't sort of at the at the back end say oh it was just a misunderstanding (laughs) you can't really consent to be um, a victim of a crime so that was that was an interesting um, issue and then also Kevin Bacon um, when he sort of appears out of the box um, and Peter is shocked and dismayed to see that they've kidnapped a celebrity Um, he says something like that's human trafficking and um, I was like First of all, Marvel is making it too easy for the legal geeks to spot issues, <laughs> and we have to, they have to up their game to challenge us. Um, but the, but interestingly enough, it's it does it is sort of a weird question of whether that's actually human trafficking because human trafficking is kind of a special, elevated type of kidnapping where the goal of abducting the person is to extract from them labor or other services, um, and it's not clear that Drax and Mantis expected. Kevin to do any labor or any favors other than just kind of being there. But I suppose if you're the prosecutor, you could say that him being a companion to Peter or something is is sufficiently the um the type of labor that would justify um, a conviction for trafficking. Yeah. I would argue that because it's like, what do you say? Dance. You know, it's like, yeah, we're now in the human trafficking category. Absolutely. And Quill's reaction is the right reaction of like, that's a person-sized box. What's, no, 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 no. Like it's the right reaction. Um, But it does give us Nebula's amazing line of, you can't run from me, Bacon. Um, Just Karen Gillian, just leaning in hard and having a ripper on good time with with the role. Uh, Adored that. However, uh, decoration's fantastic. Sure, there's burglary and crimes involved, and that's going to be over $950. So we're dealing with grand larceny at that point. But that is human trafficking. I I don't know if James Gunn is just writing us love letters in public. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, dude, thank you. So we're, we're way on board with this. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm quite impressed with our, our peacemaker panel. Uh, so he's, he's, he's giving us some love, um, is what it is. It it has to be like, it just has to be with like, no, these, these kids are good. Mm -hmm. Sure. They're my age, but these kids are good. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, some of the fallout that would happen the day after, um, there would be insurance claims. And that raises interesting questions of, I hope everyone has adequate insurance and there aren't any exclusions to things like, you know, violent crimes taking place uh, on your property. So that would be a detailed time to read your policy to see uh, what can be recovered from either the home invasion or the trespassing across front yards uh, if there's any property damage there. 
the store that they raid has a huge issue because that could like put somebody out of business type of bad if you literally get raided and all the inventory taken off the shelves. So there would need to be insurance claims written there as well to help make sure that guy doesn't go out of business and ends up bankrupt right before Christmas. So this is where lawyers come in and we can help with complex paperwork and in highlight, no, this was a triggering event for coverage. Getting into suing the guardians. You have- you, I just oh. wanted to mention something, Josh, because we, we've brought up insurance before in, in, in the Marvel universe. And I think, you know, like you said, it would be a good time to, if you were a, a resident of, of the Marvel universe to, to review your policy, because I can certainly see um, you know, at this point, we're 10 plus years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Uh, in universe, not necessarily the actual production of the films. Um, but, uh, you know, probably more 10, we're probably at 15 years, I think, in universe. Um, you know, and I, I can see some very crafty um, read. Uh, not favorable uh, insurance companies uh, drafting policies uh, that excludes any damage done by a superhero, um, regardless of what the intent of that damage was. Um, so you could, these, all these people could be out of luck if the insurance company says, nope, this was the Guardians of the Galaxy which this is part of the roster of, you know, superheroes. And so we're not covering it regardless of, you know, that they were on this kind of crime spree. Uh, we don't care because certainly you could envision a policy where, um, you know, an insurance policy is not going to delineate between uh, damage done by villains and damage done by superheroes uh, because like, how is an adjuster going to kind of navigate that, right? Like, oh, this building, you know, uh, was destroyed by the Green Goblin, but this one was destroyed by Spider-Man. And like, you know, this one's covered, but that one's not covered. Um, you know, so they may say, you know, at, at this point, 15 years in, they may throw their hands up and say, any superpowered super person, right? Um, you know, any damage caused by them, regardless of the intent, uh, is not covered. Uh, and then all these people are out of luck for for whatever home damage um, and even the business perhaps as well. I think it's also going to be regional. So New York that had an alien invasion twice <laughs> might have policies in place that, you know, it's like the act of war, mm -hmm. uh, you know, provision that FEMA is going to kick in, that insurance is not going to cover that. Uh that's probably true in New York and other, there might be other act of war provisions in general property, but it, I think it would depend upon if New York was the only place they got hit, do they just have an extra writer that they would get? Like, like Californians have the option of buying uh, additional earthquake insurance because earthquake is not covered under normal policies. Uh, on the flip side, there are a lot of California businesses and property owners that are having a hard time getting insurance because of fires. So that could be in play as well. So there's uh, multiple factors uh, to look at that. Are we looking at global uh, elimination of anything that's done by a superhero or alien invasion? 
or magic? Or is this going like, oh, that just happened in New York? Kind of like the way do New Yorkers care about earthquakes? It's like, oh, that just happens in California. Why do I need earthquake insurance here in New York City? So, you know, it could be that factor or people in Louisiana that didn't, you know, that got in, there was nasty insurance uh, litigation after Katrina because it, you know, you dealt with what caused the levee to break and was the levee breaking thus a flood and you didn't have flood insurance, therefore we're not going to pay for any damage to your house. So it gets into, you know, or was it just the storm, which could be covered. So like it gets weird fast. Uh, but it would be interesting to see what kind of policies are in play. And if, you know, California and the MCU has been pretty free of superhero activity, short of She-Hulk starting to throw cars at people, uh, which... Iron Man blowing up Malibu. Okay, yeah, that's right. Shang-Chi destroying the streets of San Francisco. Yeah, but that um, was a crazy bus chase. So I, I, I... like you have New York, Europe, and then California. <laughs> San Francisco and Malibu have seen superhero activity. But with, again, it's been a while since I've watched Iron Man 3. Was it just Tony's house I got damaged in that? Because that might not. It was a pretty big explosion. So you could make the argument that there may have been surrounding houses that you know, we're shook. And, and that would definitely be an exclusion to, to earthquake insurance, right? That that it was a, sh- a shaking of the earth, but it was not earthquake. It, that could follow fall under a terrorism exception. Um, again, but there's there's a couple ways that it could that could play out. Um, I am, but again, we could go down a rabbit hole with insurance coverage. Uh, let's get into Civ Pro. You could sue the guardians and you might be asking they live on nowhere how are you going to serve them well there's alternate forms of service of process for people who aren't in the united states or who have left now first things first drax and mantis purposely availed themselves to the laws of california when they entered california and started their crime spree so they're subject to california's jurisdiction for their actions leaving doesn't mean ha ha <clears throat> now how do you serve them for a lawsuit alternate service or process so you could do notice by a publication uh you do need to get permission from the court to do that and say like hey we can't get a process server up to nowhere but they have phone coverage we can get a message out like we would in in a newspaper And while we've allowed things like publication by email to someone that they couldn't find, uh, this would be publication via radio transmission to nowhere saying we're suing you and you're on notice and here's the first hearing date. And uh, you have until X to to answer or uh, demur, default or whatever's going to happen. So I do think there's a way to sue them and get notice to them. Um, but that's a CivPro exam waiting to happen. Yep, there's also a service by mail. I don't know how you mail intergalactic, um, but certainly, um, you know, I, I had to do that when I, I worked, um, you know, more in probate issues. Uh, we had an instance 
instance where we had to serve somebody in, in Greece. Um, and, and you do that by, by service and, and you, you know, this was in Florida, but you prove to the court that, you know, something has been delivered, that somebody has received it. Um, and the other thing that you do a lot, and especially in personal injury cases and in cases where your parties aren't reliable, um, you hire a process server, right? And it's really sometimes even a, a personal, uh, a private investigator, right? To, to really watch this person sometimes even um, depending on the county, jurisdiction, whatever, it may be a deputy, a sheriff's deputy, whatever, um, to really track down this person um, and, and serve in hand um, and find where this person is, um, you know, to, to complete that service of process. So there may be, um, that would be, that would be a very profitable business, uh, intergalactic uh, process server. Uh, if somebody is looking to establish business in the MCU, uh, that would, that would be it. I'd watch a Disney Plus series about an intergalactic <laughs> process server. Yeah, it's, I mean, on one level, maybe the Nova Corps could do it, but oh yeah, another, space cops, yeah. You know, so, but on another level, having a a kind of true uh, bail bondsman process server type show could work. Um, so yeah, lot lot to unpack there. Well. Stephen, anything else to add for the good of the order about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? No, my verdict is that um, it was a fun holiday special. Um, it's very refreshing. Um, great to see something seasonal like that that was themed and, uh, like I said, a good reminder of the characters. Let us kind of know what they were up to. Sets the stage for the next film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Gabby, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I liked, you know, one of the things I think that this format works as opposed to the TV show or, um, you know, the movies. Um, and, and that's why I kind of, you know, really called it the, the expansion of the one shot is, is you're able to focus on these other characters that may not get screen time uh, in the larger movies, right? We, we've seen Drax, we've seen Mantis, but we really haven't gotten um, that you know, their, their story, um, and, and really being able to put them together. Right. Um, I think, you know, uh, Dave Batista and, and Palm Plenty, um, have great chemistry together and they are, I could watch a whole nother hour of them just being, uh, silly together, um, and, and, you know, doing their thing. So, you know, I, I, I hope we get more of those kind of interesting partnerships, um, that, you know, maybe don't, necessarily deserve a huge long storyline but you know um i think that's one of the things that makes comics special right uh is you get these kind of one-off stories of you know oh this character and that character and, and they're on this little adventure together and um you know seeing how they interact and i think that's if they use if they run with that in this kind of special which is again is that a little bit longer format than than the one shots used to be um even I think what would make it special is that it doesn't tie into the films, right? That it's just storytelling for storytelling's sake. It's not, you know, cause I think, um, you know, I'll be kind of a little bit of a Debbie Downer, uh, but I think that's where the um, big machine that is the, the MCU these days is, is kind of getting a little weighed down is, is that kind of, you know, and, and we've seen that a bit in phase four of, you know, what are all the building blocks, you know, what is everything kind of building towards, you know, whatever. Uh, whereas if they just have these kind of, you know, one shots where it's just, oh, we're just going to tell this story 
um, you know, and, it, and it's kind of free and apart from, from everything else, obviously with people we know, with universes we know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, that it, it doesn't really necessarily have to serve. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't um, serve, you know, this kind of larger uh, storytelling um, mission. It's just kind of for funds, for funsies, right? Uh, so that, that is what I, I hope to see. And, you know, maybe, like I said, we get, get an Easter one, get a 4th of July one, um, you know, and maybe even exploring some, some obscure holidays would be cool too. Uh, so, so we'll see. Um, and, and they don't all have to be silly. I think, you know, we saw that with Werewolf at Night. They don't have to be, um, you know, lighthearted. Uh, they can be, um, a bit deeper and, and, you know, a bit more avant-garde in a sense. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to see what, what else um, Marvel puts out. Well, the post-credit scene was, it looks like we'll have to do another holiday special. So hope springs eternal that maybe this turns into an annual thing. And maybe it's not necessarily the guardians, but it could be a different character doing some of the great, Christmas stories have been in comics. There was a Power Man and Iron Fist uh, one shot that they did that was a Christmas special where they were taking Luke and Jessica's daughter Christmas shopping and all hell breaks loose and like they're fighting Krampus type creatures and it turns out Santa's real and he's taken the sentry off to, to lay low for this great evil and being able to fight it and Santa comes in and saves the day. And it ends with them going, Santa's real. And again, fun story. Very fun story. Something like that. Like they just have all kinds of, uh, again, there were other Christmas comics that they've done over the last 60 years that could be great cannon fodder for a fun story, whether it's yeah. Spider-Man or Daredevil or... Um, there are lots of options. Um, yeah, I think exploring this kind of holiday um, space um, really works. We saw that work with with Hawkeye, right? It was it was a longer form series, but it worked. That was part of the charm of Hawkeye was it was a guy trying to get home for Christmas. That's all he wanted. Um, you know, this kind of grumpy superhero <laughs> trying to get home for Christmas with his kids. Um, and it, it just added this, this kind of, you know, for that, that was, that was kind of a play on the, the, you know, kind of nineties era, um, you know, jingle all the way, um, you know, the Tim Allen movies of, of the kind of grumpy dad, like trying to get, you know, through the holidays. And, um, you know, now, like we saw the, the kind of shorter holiday special. Um, so it, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm excited to see if, if this becomes a tradition of, you know, doing, doing a little something magical at, at the holidays. Agreed, and hope springs eternal because this was fun, and we haven't talked about Werewolf by Night, but that was a ton of fun. So just more of that, and let directors be creative, and yeah, again, picking. I was like, there's a good man thing story now. I didn't think that was going to happen. We live in a world where those possibilities that you know the c or d list characters that we don't get to see are going to be in live action and that's a huge list 
of characters that they can use. So uh, we shall see. We shall see what comes next. So with that, everyone, have a wonderful holiday season. And uh, we'll try to be back before the new year for a reflections on 22. Uh, but until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and above all else, stay geeky.